Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to this episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo, and I'm joined by two guests today. They are Chris Michael, CEO and co-founder of Ozone API, and his colleague Hugh Davies. Uh, He's the Chief Commercial Officer uh, of of Ozone API and also one of the co-founders. In fact, along with a third colleague, Hugh and Chris founded the business to kind of lead the development, I suppose, of of the UK open banking standard. So they were part of kind of creating that open banking blueprint in the UK. So we're going to come on to talk a bit more about that. More recently, Ozone API has undergone a rebrand. So lots to talk about there. And of course, as, as we head into 2023, the kind of exciting plans underway for Ozone API and some of the jurisdictions where Open banking is just coming into fruition. So Hugh and Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ellie. Welcome. Thanks, Ellie. Uh, look, before we get going, as I mentioned, you're, you both kind of uh, co-founded Ozone API. So um, it'd be interesting to hear kind of what led you both up until that point, what your experience was. So let's start with you, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've been in the sort of tech um, industry, I suppose, for the best part of 30 years, leading and developing digital teams, digital technologies. I worked across a, a whole load of different sectors, um, not not just financial services. And we we all, the three of us met when we were, as you said, leading the development of the UK Open Banking Standard for the uh, OBIE. And I, I think what my kind of background has been building up over a number of years into this sort of concept of the power of data and how data can be more powerful when it's combined with other data. And, and the key to that is APIs. And so I, I've always been a big advocate of APIs and what they can what, what they can deliver. And, and, and I think that's what really got me excited about what we were doing with the OBIE, where we were really, I suppose, pioneering this concept of open APIs. APIs have been around for a while, but open APIs where you you provide sort of open access into an open ecosystem, but obviously it has to be secure and it has to put the customer at the heart and the customer has to be in control of it. And I think that model is very powerful, very exciting. And that's kind of what got me excited about what we were doing in OBIE. And that's kind of led to really why we founded Ozone. And Hugh, um, what, what's your background? Did you come from a, a similar background to, to Chris? Um, yeah, so my background, I, I guess, while whilst Chris and Freddie come from much more of the technical background, I'm the banker in the group. So I've um, I've spent the last 26 years in the, the the banking industry. So many many years at Barclays. I spent a bit of time leading digital payments at Mastercard. Um, I guess my last proper job in banking was um, heading up payments globally at HSBC. But the last um, five years or so, yeah, I've been in this open banking space. So um, as Chris said, uh, we we all work together at at the OBIE. So whilst Chris was leading the development of the standards and Freddie was the technical author, my role was to drive the growth of the ecosystem and drive adoption and usage. Um, And that's where I, I... sort of got together and started working with um, with with Chris and Freddie. I mean, my, my background has always been kind of building the new businesses, the new shiny stuff. So I, I get very excited about um, big new opportunities. And I, I think between us all, we 
yeah, we had a, a very clear view, and I, I don't think this is at all controversial, but a clear view that this move to open banking, open finance, open data could really change the world. Um, but it has to be built on really strong technology and really strong foundations. And I mean, we, we, we saw that, frankly, the banks were finding this probably a lot more difficult than they expected. Um, it's a big project. They're spending lots and lots of money on it, huge teams. Um, and delivering these APIs was 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 difficult. So that's really where where Ozone API came from. We had this we had this clear kind of vision between us that this this could be really powerful, um, but there was a need for the technology to be right. So um, yeah, we we started out by building a platform to to do that. And, and there's a couple of things we do now. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll 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 get into this as we go through the conversation. But for us, it's always been about and how do we accelerate and really unlock that potential that um, that open banking, open finance and open data brings? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely talk a bit more about that. But before, before we kind of press on with that, maybe you can kind of tell me a little bit about um, Ozone API's recent rebrand. So so what brought that about? And, and uh, yeah, why now, essentially? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one, Chris, if um, if, if that I guess, why now? To be honest, we wanted to do this ages ago. <laughs> uh, I guess we needed to get the the right conditions in place, though. So, um, um, I, I I mean, I actually posted yesterday when we did this. It's it's really nice to rebrand. It's it's easy to see this as kind of a, a nice new picture and logo and some colours, um, um, but it's actually been. A, a bit of a journey um, and we needed to get the right conditions in place before we did this. So um, I think there are a few things. So firstly, we needed to get um, the right team in place and we were really fortunate earlier this year to, to bring in an incredible head of marketing, Katie Hayes, um, who, who joined us. And frankly, if we tried to do this before, I don't think we'd, we'd, we'd have done a great job. So we needed to get the right team in place to to, to do a really good job of, of the rebrand. Um, but then it's been a process that's taken a little while for really good reasons. So um, with with any rebrand, as I say, it's, it's about much more than just the logo. We spent a lot of time um, between us as, a, as the founding team, as the broader leadership team, as the business, talking through, actually, what are we all about? What is our big vision and mission. Um, I mean, I talked about kind of the the passion we've got, this belief that open finance will change the change the world. But kind of what are we here for? Why are we doing what we're doing? So we spent quite a bit of time um, talking about that. We also spent quite a lot of time talking about, yeah, how do we really clearly articulate what we do? Um, and very, very importantly, how we do it. So we spent a lot of time, this is a sort of not just the internal cultural stuff, but the everything we stand for. How do we how do we want to be seen? How do we want to operate? How do we want to behave? How do we want to be perceived by everyone we come into contact with? And this was all a really important part of the journey. We went through all of that before we got anywhere near what a design on a page looked like. And that that took us a good few months earlier this year. And it, it it's stuff that we all had in the back of our heads, but it was a really good process to to talk through it and really crystallize those messages, kind of what are we trying to achieve? How are we doing that? Why are we doing that? All of those things. And, and from there, it, it, it then turned into the more 
sort of creative execution process. And again, we were lucky. We've we've worked with a couple of fantastic agencies on the creative side. We've we've just worked with a uh, an agency based in Ukraine called Cube Studio. They've been incredible. Um, and again, they helped us through the the design process. And to be fair, it's been really interesting because we've got we've got three of us um, uh, that kind of sit at the top table and and make a, a number of the decisions. Getting three people to agree on what they like in terms of things like creating isn't that easy. And the agency did an amazing job of, um, I guess, shepherding us to a point where we all fell in love with the same thing. Um, um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a, a long exercise. We'd have loved to have done it a lot earlier, but as I say, we needed the right people, and we actually needed to give some time to the to the process. So whilst we've probably all been a bit impatient, we were really pleased to get there. Chris, while you're here, I mean, you know, he was just talking there about how this has been kind of a long time in the making. I, I know this often happens, maybe with um, like smaller businesses where you just you come up with the business idea and then you spend the first few years just kind of going for it and winning new business. And that's obviously really important. So was this, you know, a case of that where actually now you kind of have time to sit back and maybe think it, what it is you've achieved and what you want to achieve next? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, we, as a business, we've been, you know, growing pretty quickly and growing up pretty quickly. And, you know, what the, the original, branding that we had was it was kind of something that we did a little bit you know in in a hurry and and we we sort of lived with it for a you know for as long as we could we knew we had to change it we've been wanting to do it for ages it was just you know i I, and i'd reiterate what hugh said a couple of points it is really difficult doing this i I, in uh, one of my previous uh things i did i i used to own a digital agency and we used to do this stuff for um for very big brands and and it's difficult then but it's even harder when you're trying to kind of create or recreate your own brand so getting getting the right people involved has has been key to this you know um KZR head of marketing has been absolutely fantastic and you know having someone of that sort of quality and caliber who can who can really lead this is you know that was one reason we didn't do it before because we didn't have Katie, but you know, Cube Studio as well, the, the design agency, particularly who've, who've worked on this, are fantastic as well. You know, I'm, I'm just it right now. I'm extremely happy and proud of what what what, what we've got now. It, we've got a platform that we can build on. We're growing up. I think it makes us look more grown up without being corporate. And and yeah, you know, the colours are amazing. The, the the gen everything about it. I just yeah, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. Um, let's let's talk then a bit more about uh, your involvement uh, in the creation of the UK's open banking standard, which obviously you've kind of alluded to already. You know, we've got to a certain uh, stage in the UK, obviously, where we're we're nearing the end of the open banking roadmap here. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a critical point, and I'm interested in in hearing from from you, and maybe Chris, you can start off to hear from you about how you you're going to kind of continue to update your products and services for the UK market as it kind of comes to an end of an era I suppose and moves on to the next stage yeah I mean I think what we did in the UK I think you know we're all very proud of our involvement in in in, in building the the UK standard um and, and and the overall framework but it was the first time this had ever been done um Open banking's been around for twenty years or so, but but this kind of new model of having a defined standard, having a regulation, trying to 
get a whole ecosystem to move at the same time. This was the first time this had been done, really. And um, it, it was it was really hard. It, it shouldn't be that hard, but it was. You know, the, we, we had lots of challenges with different regulations, different regulators and regulations from UK, from Europe. And yeah, I think, you know, what, 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 what we've ended up with now in the UK is something that's, that's, that's working up to a point. But I mean, the, 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 the kind of objectives of the CMA order, which was kind of the primary purpose behind the OBIE, I think, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, they, 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 it's kind of eventually got there sort of thing. Um, but open banking is much more than that, much bigger than that. And then, of course, there's open finance. So the, the, the key thing that, the key two things that I think need to happen in the UK is one is now that we've got a kind of framework that's starting to work or working, how can we complete open banking? How can we fix the bits of open banking that still are, you know, I wouldn't say are broken, but it's not, it's nowhere near its potential, particularly when it comes to some of the kind of limitations around accessing accounts and, 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 and just accessing data at the moment most of the banks are only providing read access to certain data sets, you know, that are within the scope of the, the PSD2. But there's a whole load more data that banks have got, which is still potentially open banking. And then the other side is payment. You know, payment initiation, we've got some excellent use cases really starting to work, but it's not really being used that much for uh, as an alternative for cards in in, in you know e commerce point of sale and and there are so many more things that can can be done with payments and and then we've got open finance and I suppose you know we we ha- what we have is certainly the FCA are very keen to kind of push forward with the agenda of open finance. I was involved in a policy sprint a couple of weeks ago, um, so there's a lot of good intent there. I think fundamentally comes down to you know, if if people aren't told what to do and given very strict timelines, then it can take an awful long time to get everyone to agree on everything. And I think that's kind of where we are at the moment. And the risk is that other markets are starting to catch up and overtake the UK in terms of not just open banking, but open finance. And there is an opportunity. There's still a window of opportunity. There's a lot of good stuff. You know, we're also involved with um, the, the teaser and some of the stuff they're doing around um, savings and investments. You know, there's a lot of good intent. But the question remains, you know, is open finance going to be mandated? Who's going to develop the standard? Who's going to have to, you know, what framework is going to exist for the wider open finance thing? Who's who, who's going to be told to do or encouraged to do what? And who's going to pay for it all? I mean, these are quite big questions. I don't think anyone's quite got the answer to. Lots of people have got points of view. But so we are very much keen to be involved in that to help help drive that agenda, help deliver ultimately the technology that can enable banks and financial institutions to go beyond where they are at the moment. But it's just going to take a bit a bit more time and you know other other markets around the world are catching up and overtaking us. And and, and Ellie, you were asking there about how these changes kind of been how, how we adapt and, and react to them in our platforms. I, I thought it would be worth maybe very briefly just kind of quickly describe what we do and then um yeah can cover kind of how we're responding to everything that's happening around the world because it is a massively dynamic space this whole open banking open finance um uh, world what what we do very simply it's two things so we provide a technology back uh, platform to help banks and financial institutions around the world deliver their open apis so so we help them deliver these APIs that they expose to the 
the outside world for account information, payment initiation, and all of these other use cases. And we do that in a way um, so that we can help them deliver APIs that align with whichever version of the right standard for wherever they operate in the world. Um, and they have all the tools to comply where regulation exists and to go way beyond compliance and deliver premium APIs. We also work with central banks and, and regulators to help them put the right conditions in place for open banking, open finance. That might be helping develop standards for a market, so take global best practice and and make the right improvements so that they'll um, they'll 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 move on further and, and work well for the market, but also delivering central technology to enable a market, whether that's central sandbox or a, an infrastructure hub or conformance and certification tools. So we work with the banks and with the central banks. And I guess, I mean, there is this is happening all around the world. It's absolutely a global phenomenon where it's been driven by regulation. The scope doesn't always look the same. We've got open banking, we've got open finance. What we aim to do is make sure we can help the banks and the FIs wherever they are adapt to this change. And that puts us in a really good position, actually. I mean, it's hard work because with all these different standards emerging, we're we're building them into our platform and supporting them. So it's kind of hard work to stay right at the leading edge of this space. But it puts us in a really privileged position because we can then piece together the best bits of all of the different standards around the world. And we've got a really powerful set of building blocks then that help banks kind of take this from rather than being a, a compliance project all of a sudden they've got the building blocks to to actually deliver APIs that work for them that kind of capture new customers drive new revenues allow them to deliver really truly embedded finance so yeah our job is to kind of make sure we stay right at the leading edge of this as new standards as new developments happen we need to support them kind of quicker than anyone else. And it's 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 hard work, but we 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 love doing it and doing it actually puts us in a really privileged position to kind of understand the best practice and 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 help new markets and banks and FIs around the world really leverage this. Yeah, that that's a really good point actually about that that kind of position that you're in. And I think, you know, as 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 you kind of pointed out there, you know, the UK has been has kind of led the way in many respects but but now it, there is perhaps a, a case not just of other countries catching up but in fact kind of going beyond what what the UK had in its, its initial sites or, or rather the CMA did. And I think we see the same all around the world as well so again I look at the pace of development in Latin America it's, it's really exciting. Obviously Brazil moved Last year, and we've got all of the open finance phases to come. Um, things are really hotting up now in Colombia, Chile, Central America, and it's interesting. That as I said, I think I think um, I think the UK did a tremendous job in creating a really good foundation and blueprint and catalyst, and we've seen a huge amount of of economic growth as a result of that. And the UK is way ahead of of mainland Europe, but. Um, uh, we're seeing other markets build on those learnings. So again, there's there's much more of a focus in a number of the markets in Latin America on actually from the outset, how do you get the right commercial balance? So banks are incentivized to 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 do this really well, and you create an ecosystem that is commercially sustainable. Um, so I, I personally, I mean, you you're asking about kind of gets us excited about. Um, Saudi Arabia I, I think <laughs> we're getting 
really excited about the opportunity right across the world at the minute. Latin America, Canada is starting to move, um, as, as we know, coming next year. Regulation is finally starting to move in the US. Might take a couple of years to get there, but um, this is sweeping across the Middle East. Um, there's a huge opportunity here. So, yeah, it's it's a really exciting space. And I think what good looks like will differ in different markets, whether that's tackling financial inclusion or driving inward investment or it, it'll look different, but it's a really exciting place to be. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, there's there's um, quite um, a big drive under underway in in Canada. We had our event there recently, and they're taking an approach much like you you both just talked about, which was you know looking at the best of what everyone has done. You know, every every jurisdiction has done, and, and taking a bit um, from all of them. And yeah, obviously, you know, markets like the US have have gone completely different way and it's been completely market driven and now there's been some regulation brought in so um yeah as you say an exciting time everywhere I know that you've said you've both alluded to the fact that obviously it's really important in the UK to kind of keep that momentum going and across Europe as well um now that the OBIE's roadmap is coming to an end so realistically when we're thinking about not just open banking but open finance in the UK how far away do you think we are from that, essentially? Uh, Hugh, do you want to, to go first? Yeah, I, I mean, so the, the short answer is not sure, but there, there are a few things that kind of I find really heartening. There are a few things that um, um, concern me a little more. So in terms of the heart, the, the finding it heartening, I, I mean, I, I think we are seeing a huge amount of innovation, investment, really interesting use cases that are proving the value of of, of open banking um, um so I, I i think i think that's really positive we're also seeing some of the banks starting to go way beyond the regulatory mandate you just look at the sort of bank of apis that natwest have been seeing and the momentum that's slowly starting to build around vrp so i i think they're really really positive signs um and we've got a great start point in the UK we've got a really good catalyst that was created through the regulation and a and and a and a well-designed implementation um the bit that worries me a little bit I mean the the case for open finance is just obvious two things worry me a little bit it, it requires coordination and agreement of a number of regulators so not just one but a number of them that's no small feat and it also requires, I, I, I fear that we'll have a, a sort of extended transition phase or while people are thinking, what do we do with this entity? How is the model funded? What's, so there's, there's getting regulators to align on a, on a clear direction, although it sounds like there's some really positive stuff coming through some upcoming bills, but then getting the, the, the industry organized. So I think the, in, there's some great momentum. I think the the case for it is very, very obvious. I, I just fear a little about the um, the number of parties that all need to agree and the amount of committees and all of those sorts of things that are that are happening. So, exactly when I don't know, but um, I am I'm I'm ever the optimist. So I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful it's coming. The key to it needs to be simplicity. You know, there's lots of different people. I think ev- everyone gets the 
the value of extending this kind of open banking model into open finance and beyond. The use cases are, I think, you know, at a high level, well understood and recognized in delivering value. And funnily enough, you know, most of the most of the the people are going to be the you know the the banks and financial institutions who are going to be impacted by this, or not, maybe not most, but a large number of them who were maybe some of the institutions who were reluctant to deliver open banking, the ones that I speak to very much seem to have changed their tune and, and are very positive about it and want to do it. So I think the key to this, as I said, is simplicity. I think Hugh's right. The regulators need to agree. But if the regulators try and over-define and over-engineer what the ecosystem looks like and try and agree absolutely everything before they start anything, then it's going to take a very long time. But that doesn't need to be the case. I, I do think that there's a kind of principle level thing which could be mandated. And, and I think it should be mandated, you know, because if, if, if it is mandated, we've seen things can happen more quickly and it a, or can provide a, a better sort of ecosystem. Just, you know, for example, the fact that the CMA9 were mandated to follow a standard meant that open banking got implemented across the UK to a better quality than in Europe where there wasn't a mandated standard. There was a kind of predominant one or two, but they weren't mandated really. And so, you know, people did kind of within within limits, they did kind of what, what, what they want. Um, and so there is, you know, I think there's there, there, there needs to be a mandate, I think. I don't think there's any reason why there shouldn't be one. There needs to be a, a standard. Um, or a in set of interoperable standards, but it doesn't need to necessarily be the regulator creating a single a single regulator or a group of regulators creating a single super Uber standard. It could be a set of standards developed by different trade bodies. There's different models. Um, you need some sort of trust framework, some sort of entity or entities to kind of govern and make sure stuff happens. I mean, the OBIE model at a high level kind of i think makes sense having some sort of independent entity that that uh, not only makes sure stuff happens but also helps people resolve issues and provides ecosystem support and but there are a number of different models it doesn't need to be one sort of large entity that costs a lot of money that everyone has to sign up to you could have as long as you have these this principle of interoperability i think you know, there's different models that work. The, the key thing is, I think we need to start doing stuff and it can be done maybe, I suppose, sector by sector, whether, you know, we've got, as, as I mentioned t- t- teaser earlier and teaser are looking at uh, some, some stuff around savings and investments. But, you know, th- these these things can all be done iteratively over a relatively short period of time if 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 if, if, if there's a will there. But I do think there needs to be a high level mandate. Otherwise, I just worry that, It'll take too long. And it doesn't need to cost a huge amount of money for firms to implement APIs. I mean, what Hugh mentioned at the start, you know, the the reason we set up Ozone was because, you know, we saw if every bank and every financial institution built their own thing from scratch, it would be expensive, but it doesn't have to be anymore. And, you know, there are much more efficient ways of, you know, delivering open APIs now. And that's something that's very much part of our kind of offering and our, our, our DNA, if you like. So, there's no, there's no kind of. I don't think there's a valid argument from FIs that this is going to be expensive or complex. So I, I think there's a strong argument for the regulator to mandate it and enforce it. 
Well, on that note, um, Hugh and Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, I'm sure we could probably go on another 45 minutes talking about open finance and open banking and various other parts of the world, but um, we'll we'll call it there for now. So, um, yeah, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Ellie. My thanks again to Hugh and Chris there from Ozone API. Great to have them on the podcast. I'm sure you'll agree that was a fascinating conversation. And if you need to catch up on recent episodes of Open Banking Expo Unplugged, then just go to the on-demand section of the website. You'll find all our, our recent episodes there, along with um, a few TV episodes and uh, live panel discussions that you can watch back on demand. Until next time, goodbye for now.